Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Rift Valley Institute. My name is Hannah Stogden. Today we're going to be talking about governance in Somalia in the context of rapid urbanisation. It's in cities where both opportunities and challenges for Somalia's development and prosperity are most acutely felt. The question then is how to manage and reduce the risks Somali cities face so that they can increase their potential to provide livelihoods and deliver services and do so in a way that is more inclusive and accessible for all. In this episode, I talked to Horn of Africa expert Tobias Hagman. He is the director of Public Culture Lab Limited in Switzerland and an associate professor in development studies at Roskilde University in Denmark. He has worked on politics and development in the Horn of Africa for the past two decades. He was the lead researcher for the RVI study on urbanisation in seven Somali cities that contributed to the World Bank's urbanisation review. That review, which was published in 2021 by the World Bank, aims to facilitate a more informed dialogue between the government, private sector, civil society, development partners and other stakeholders on a more comprehensive urban development strategy in Somalia. Over the next four episodes, we'll be delving into the findings of that review. Thanks for joining us. Tobias, welcome to the show. Hi, Anna. Good to be on the show. Good to talk to you. Can I start by asking you to give us an overview of the issues raised in the review, particularly related to governance and institutions? Why is this issue important to the variety of stakeholders that it seeks to engage? Well, I guess it is important because uh, urban administration and municipalities are the key state actors at local level in Somali cities. So they are in charge of uh, public service delivery, of security, but also in terms of political processes and decision-making and engaging with citizens. So obviously uh, there's no doubt that these urban uh, local governments play a key role. And the World Bank's um, Urban uh, Review for Somalia clearly identifies both the challenges and opportunities that these administrations are confronted to. And they, they are numerous. And the World Bank is basically pointing out that there is a need to demarcate more clearly the responsibilities between, on the one hand, district and municipal authorities and regional, that is, federal member states and national governments. So at this point, it's not quite clear who is in charge. Uh, there is, of course, a division of labor in subnational entities such as Somaliland and Puntland. There is a division of labor, at least on paper, in the constitution of the Somali federal government. But in actual practice, the roles of these different state entities is often murky and has not been clarified. So that is one important um, governance issue that needs to be sorted out at the legal and institutional level. So you talked about numerous stakeholders and you talked about a murky hybrid governance. The term hybrid governance comes up quite a lot. What does that mean in terms of day-to-day governance and their impact on on Somali citizens? If we look at the um, daily governance of Somali cities, what we see is that there are uh, numerous actors involved in in governing these cities. So they are, on the one hand, of course, uh, government actors, local government, but also, as I pointed out, regional and national uh, state actors. But they are primarily uh, societal and private sector actors that play crucial roles, particularly in terms of 
service delivery. So if you look at whether it's education or health or even land management, uh, most of these urban governance issues are and have been shouldered by societal actors, by the community and by the private sector. So when people refer to hybrid governance, so basically the existence or the coexistence of different types of actors doing the state, this is precisely what they refer to. And this has, of course, both advantages and disadvantages. I'd say the advantage is that there is some kind of governance at local level. There is some kind of service provision. But the disadvantage, obviously, is that this type of governance often is not very much regulated. The state is unable to you know, ensure good quality of services and is also unable to make sure that services and governance are equally uh, provided to its citizens. You started to talk about some of the challenges the Somali cities face. Can you elaborate on this? What, what are the challenges when discussing governance and institutions in the context of urbanisation in Somalia? I guess one way of looking at this question is, what's dividing stakeholders on this issue? I think there are uh, at least three main challenges. So the first one is in terms of institutions and existing legal frameworks. So there really is a need to clarify the roles of these different levels of government, starting from the municipality and moving up to the region and the national level. So who should play what role in governing Somali cities? That's the first one. And related to this is also the issue of representative government. Because in most parts of uh, South Central Somalia, we do not have elected councils at local level and mayors uh, are appointed uh, by the top. So these are basically uh, more extensions of the national or the regional government rather than locally elected representatives. And that is a problem and has been an issue in the past. The second main challenge is service delivery. So the ability of these urban local governments to actually provide services to citizens. And here again, we see differences across uh, cities, uh, particularly in uh, Somaliland. Um, municipalities have a longer history of providing services. They've enjoyed uh, more political stability in the past and thus play greater roles in providing services than in South Central Somalia. But still, that said, uh, services continue to be quite limited. Uh, so, for example, uh, limited to uh, garbage collection or limited to regulating um, or licensing the private sector. But these public administrations really are struggling to provide services on an everyday basis, as it is the private sector that provides most of these services. The third challenge is how can these hybrid governance arrangements that exist today be transformed into more sustainable governance arrangements. So in other words, how can Somali cities move from a situation in which there's a plurality of actors, the private sector, communities, and local government, how can they move to a situation in which there is a more clear division of labor between these entities and in which the state can basically play a bigger role?
So we know that Somali cities are also sites of great opportunity if managed inclusively. What can you say about this in terms of how cities are governed? Well, what we've seen in Somalia is that because of state collapse in the early 1990s and weak state administrations throughout, the private sector has basically jumped in, has been thriving, providing services, and has been extremely dynamic and resilient. But because the state's continue and have been weak, they're basically unable to make sure that there's equality, that there is redistribution, and that citizens are being treated equally within cities. So the result of this uh, massive privatization, uh, if we want to call it this way, is or has been increasing inequalities in cities. So poor dwellers uh, are being pushed out of cities, um, so this is typical phenomena of commodification, where land prices have been uh, rapidly increasing over the past 10, 20 years. And because the government has been unable to regulate land prices, to provide affordable housing, to redistribute resources, this massive privatization in cities has created uh, inequalities and it has reinforced inequalities. And this is really one of the findings that comes out most clearly of the studies conducted by the Rift Valley Institute, and that is that these cities be, are becoming not only bigger and more differentiated, but they have also been becoming much more unequal. What are the questions then that we aren't asking, but we should be about governing Somali cities at this time in their development? I think one major question is where does the revenue come from to fund and finance the budgets of Somali cities? There are obviously attempts to increase administrative capacities, budget and planning and, uh, and other capacities by municipalities. But the real question is really, where does public finance come from? Is it going to be sourced locally only? And this, of course, raises the question of fiscal federalism. It also raises questions of fiscal transfers between local level regions or federal member states and the national level. Right. So this is a key element of the review's findings and recommendations around revenue generation, but also uh, fiscal transfers and, and the nature of the fiscal federalism. Uh, one of our colleagues from the World Bank said that local governments are not there to collect taxes, they're there to provide services. Uh, the taxes pay for the services. And I think this is a, a clear reminder about uh, the role of the government, uh, local government and, and what we want to see there as, the, as their role. Another important point that comes out of our studies on Somali cities is the question of citizenship. So what we clearly see is that urban dwellers do not have the same rights when it comes to politics, when it comes to representation, when it comes to their ability to obtain services or to be represented. So this really raises questions of citizenship and, and the question to what degree do members of different clan groups, for example, have the ability to be heard at the level of city administrations. So this broader question of representation and citizenship really crystallizes, it becomes quite clear once uh, we consider Somali cities and interactions between state and society in the urban setting. So if we look at some of the recommendations from the review and looking forward, around the role of the private sector, hybrid governance and the role of state, non-state actors, and the position of marginalized and vulnerable groups. 
where do we go from here? What are the key issues we need to think about? The Somalia Urbanization Review clearly spells out uh, a number of recommendations and areas of strategic engagement, so to speak, for donors, uh, international, but primarily also for local and Somali stakeholders. I think these can be maybe grouped into three broad uh, fields. So firstly, and most obviously, there is a need for capacity building, state building at the level of municipalities and local governments in Somali cities. So this includes a broad range of activities, strengthening local government, strengthening the ability to provide services, but also strengthening district government's uh, credibility. So that is one set of interventions that is very much needed. A second one relates to issues of representation and inclusion, precisely because these cities are and have been becoming more unequal and more spatially differentiated over time. There is a need to make sure that uh, different stakeholders, different communities, including IDPs and vulnerable groups, are represented at city level. So this is a major task, and it has to do both with you know, classic things such as having a legislative or councils at city level, but also has to do with these broader issues that I mentioned, uh, namely with citizenship. So the need to ensure that people have equal rights when it comes to their living in cities. Finally, and this is a another major point that comes out both uh, in our studies and the urbanization review, there is a lot that works in Somali cities. So many of these services provided by the private sector. Uh, a good example is uh, transport, whether it's for judge or buses or taxis. They are essentially self-regulated. So here there is a need for local government and the state to build on what works and then to gradually codify some of these regulations and turn them into state regulations, but state regulations that are accepted by the private sector and ideally also in the interest of local citizens. Thanks so much, Tobias, for, for joining us today and, and discussing about Somali cities. Always a pleasure, Hannah. Thanks for listening. This is the first of four episodes exploring the World Bank's Somalia Urbanization Review. In our next episode, I speak with World Bank specialist Paul Pretatore about land governance in Somalia. This podcast was made possible by the World Bank in collaboration with the Rifali Institute. It was produced by Ida Holly Nambi and May Francis. Please leave a comment, a rating or a review, and please do join us again next time.